Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can come to hear your word. We know that your word is a light to our path. And as you've laid this word upon David uh, throughout the, the weeks leading up to here, we'd ask that you would bring that forth. Father God, we thank you for this man, for the mouthpiece, the vessel he is. We know that uh, we're all just jars of clay, but that which we are filled with is yourself. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through this man, bring us your word, challenge us with what you want, so that we might walk in your ways and be transformed by it. In your son's name. Amen. Thanks, Dave. So anyways, as I was um, leading up to today and asking God, what is it you want to have us look at today? Um, I wasn't getting an answer. And um, that was stressing me out because I like to have things organized. And um, So anyways, I, I was checking my emails just one day and kind of complaining to God, saying, come on, where is this at? And I just had this thought, I need a prophetic word. Um, and I was che- checking my emails and up pops something from Stephen Davey. It was a prophetic word for LifeGate. And I thought, that's interesting. That's something from God. So I read, read it through and I thought, yes, um, this, is, this is what God would have me talk about today. And, and it's around encountering God. It looks at the life of Jacob and how that he encountered God through a dream about a stairway to heaven and how he realized this place where I am is awesome. It's a little bit scary, but it is awesome. And, and the whole gist of what Stephen was saying in this prophetic word is that God has placed us in an awesome family because we can encounter God. Here at LifeGate, it is awesome, and we need to be enjoying that and and um, furthering furthering this culture of encountering God. So, what I'd like to do is talk to us today about how we can encounter God, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time about what I'm, what this all is about, and then get into the life of Jacob and and look at his encounters with God and how God transformed him throughout his life and how he passed that on to his family. So what do I mean by encountering God, and why is that so important? So what I mean is, this is when you are with God, when you are experiencing His glory and His love in a really deeply personal way, and this can look in, this can look in many different ways. Why is this important? Well, it's God's desire, firstly. He, he wants this for you. He made you for this reason. He's given you His Spirit so He can be in connection with you. Um, so this is... This is our theme verse that we're looking at this year. Our theme verse is out of John 17. You'll see it on, on the walls here. Um, and it talks about how that God has made us for this reason, and it, it outlines in the, in the next few verses after these what this encounter is. So I'll read it to you. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. God's desire was that, was that we are connected into him, we are encountering him. That was what Jesus was praying. He goes on to say, May they be brought into unity and let the world know you've sent me and have loved them even as you love me. So he wants us to encounter his love. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Where I am right now, be with me. And to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. So here we see, again, God desires this encounter where we're experiencing his love. 
we're experiencing his presence and we're seeing his glory. And this can look, um, this can look a number of different ways in our life. But I'd like to firstly look at what's the alternative? And this is a bit of my background. Um, being a, a, pastor's, a pastor's boy and um, being in a church that was um, very strong on teaching the facts of the scripture, teaching a faith in God, but it did not encourage these encounters, it did not encourage experiencing God firsthand for yourself. So where it left me was a spirituality through other people's experience, reading about what people have done in scripture and then saying, isn't God wonderful? I love how he did that back in the day. But where is it for me? Um, it's a dry and academic and self-powered faith. It's a faith. And, but there is so much more. There is so much more. There's a, there's a bit of a story here in Exodus 19 um, and into 20, how that God, God reveals himself to Israel. And they end up rejecting it. So I'd like to kind of take you through that because um, I believe it sets them up for <clears throat> a disaster. So here they are. There are about a million of them. They've left Egypt. They're slaves, and now they're set free. Three months later, after crossing through the Red Sea, they come to Mount Sinai. And God says, I'm going to come to you in, in a dense cloud so the people will hear me speaking with you. So his intention, this was, this was before the tabernacle, this was before the Ten Commandments, this was before the Ark of the Covenant and all those bits and pieces we associate with the Old Testament. Before all that, God's intention was, I want to relate to you, Moses, and to all the people. I want them to experience me, to encounter me personally. That was his intention. So here's how it looked in, in later on, a few verses later. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it with fire. The smoke billed up like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. So they were experiencing God. They listened to their leader talking with God. They could hear God's voice. So throughout this experience, uh, God starts to give them the Ten Commandments. And we, there's a bit of a break in, in, the, in this narrative. And we start to see from the perspective of the people. The people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke. They trembled with fear. And I know what it's like to be in the mountains when thunder and lightning start. It's not a pleasant experience. It's very exhilarating, but you want to get out of there fast. I remember I was hiking through some of the mountains in the Blue Mountains, and out of nowhere, the storm popped up. And... The lightning was crashing and the thunder was going and I was like, oh, David, you've done it again. Get out of here. And I was just praying, God, keep me safe. Keep me safe. I don't want to get struck by lightning because um, I was probably the only living thing up there. So that's what they were thinking. Let's get out of here. What is, what is going on? Um, they stayed at a distance and they said to Moses, speak to us yourself. We'll listen to you. But do not have God speak to us or we'll die. So this, this is, um, I think it's a tragedy. They have the opportunity to experience God in a massively literal way. Um, they're actually, they're seeing something happen. They are feeling it physically. They are hearing it physically. Um, 
it's like the second best thing to actually interacting with Jesus face to face in in a real live body like the disciples had. And yet they they reject that. They say it's it's too much. I can't cope with this. I'd prefer to have a representative there who is doing the hard work of interacting with God and is going through this terrifying and awesome experience and then coming back and reporting it to the rest of us. We prefer to have a second-hand faith, is what they were saying. And interestingly, by the time that God had finished giving them the law, giving Moses the law on Mount Sinai in this, in this instant, by the time they had finished, they'd already turned to this golden calf. They'd already turned away from God and said, well, this is the God who saved us. This is the God who brought us out of Egypt. Let's worship him instead. So it really is a, a dangerous thing when, when you say, no, I prefer to just have a really predictable faith. I know it's happening. I, I can plan, plan it all out. And, and God is this and nothing else. We need to take God out of that box. <clears throat> so bringing it back to now, um, what does this look like for us? There is many things, and it is uh, individual to who you are and how God wants to relate to you. But in my life, um, these encounters look like dreams where, where God might put something on my heart through a dream, a coincidence, and I have that in brackets because I don't believe in coincidence as such. I believe that God is there in the details of every day, and he's setting up, he's setting up things for you to go through. And it might seem a bit strange, like, for instance, when I was looking at the emails and up pops the one from Stephen about the word, the word for LifeGate. Um, that was a coincidence, but now I see it as a, a God appointment. He was in that. God speaking through others, where, where there is something that he puts on their heart to say to you, and it directly speaks into your heart about something really relevant, quite personal at times. And you say, wow, I can't believe God just did that. I can't believe he cared enough about me and to express himself through a brother or a sister and, and has just helped me unlock this. Through worship, this is my, um, my personal love, is being alone with God, having worship music going, and um, just feeling, feeling that touch. And I love that song that you let us through, Mark. Um, how he loves. That, that to me is the anthem of encountering God. Um, and I would encourage you, put that, put that as one of your playlists when you're at home. Listen to that, because it's a wonderful, wonderful way to worship God. Um, another one might be where, where you're out and about, and you feel that God might be asking you to take a bit of a step of faith, to go out of your comfort zone, take a risk, and maybe go and talk to the person that you've never met before. You might see they're in a bit of need, and you go and you help them out. And something comes of it that goes far beyond your own experience, far beyond your own um, abilities. And God makes something incredible happen. Well, that's an encounter with God, isn't it? Or an answer to prayer. You're praying for someone or you're praying into a situation and, and you're seeking God and, and he answers. You know, treasure these things. And then your spiritual gifts. That really is um, something for all of us. God has gifted us all. God has given us something, and this goes beyond your own personal abilities. This goes beyond um, what, you, what your capabilities are as a, as a normal human being. God wants to extend you far beyond that through these gifts. He wants to encounter you through that. 
So how, how can we encourage these encounters? Um, Isaiah 62, 6 and 7 is something I came across recently that, that transformed for me the way I was dealing with God and it actually made me become much more persistent with him. I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent, day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. My style before was, hey, God, I really need this. I really want your blessing in this area. Can you please, can you please do something here? And even before that, it was, hey, if it's your will, would you, would you mind just helping a brother out? <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of faith in that. God is saying, go, go a step beyond that. Keep pestering. Keep persisting. Keep going, God. God, I need your blessing. Where are you in this? Come and help me. Come and help me. And, and be like the widow who kept going at the judge. When are you going to give me justice? When are you going to rule in my favor? And finally, the judge out of weariness says, all right, all right. Here you go. God is so much better than that, than that lousy judge. God, God wants to see you persisting. God wants to see you struggling with him for that blessing. Keep at him. He, he actually wants that from you. Oops, did that before. Okay, so now I want to talk about Jacob's life. Um, and Jacob, I, I felt that there was two really wonderful things in his story. Firstly, he took these encounters with God and he made milestone moments out of them. And secondly, he allowed these to change who he was fundamentally as a person. And, and that's what I want to encourage and foster, this, this culture of encountering with God, because... It is so healthy for us, so healthy. Okay, so a background on Jacob, um, grand, grandson of Abraham, born into what we would consider to be a multi-millionaire's family. He was a twin, but the younger twin, so therefore he was not the favored eldest. He was not the one who would be inheriting the lion's share of the money. He would not be uh, running the father's business. Um, he would be um, a second-class citizen in answering to his older brother. Jacob was a highly driven man. Um, if he was a football player, he would be Billy Slater, my least favorite player. He is a grub, but, but he is an excellent grub, <laughs> and he just doesn't give up. Um, Jacob was a bit like that. He did everything in his power to, to, to win he tried everything. He coerced. He tricked. He connived. He planned. And in the end, he, he got the things. He basically stripped Esau one by one by one of all the things that he enjoyed as being the eldest, the birthright, the, the major inheritance for later on, the blessing from God through his father to, to be the, the one who was anointed as, as the firstborn son. He stripped it all away from Esau little by little by little. Um, it even got to the place where he took advantage of his disabled father who was blind and he dressed up as Esau, putting on Esau's clothes, putting on furry stuff on his arms and, and going out and preparing some food to uh, taste like wild game that Esau would have killed and tried to trick his, and did trick his father into giving him Esau's blessing. And it's actually in this, in this moment um, in Genesis 27 that we see an insight into his life. This is how he 
saw God. He was so caught up in his own, in, in reaching for his own destiny and going out for it for his own, his own strength, his own cleverness. He says, um, when Isaac asks him, how did you find this, this meat so quickly? How did you kill the game so quickly? Um, Jacob says, the Lord, your God, gave me success. The Lord, your God. So that's a secondhand faith, isn't it? That's, that's someone who's like, yeah, yeah, I'm part of the family, and well, I was born a Christian, and um, yeah, I, I go to church. I, I do all that stuff. But at some point, the rubber's got to meet the road. At some point, the person to say, hey, yeah, I know I was brought up this way, but God is my God. He is mine. I have ownership. I know because I'm encountering him. And he wasn't there yet. So, what did God do? Um, through the circumstances, Esau came home, became furious. He was literally going to kill Jacob. And this wasn't like a, I hate you, I'm going to kill you. No, it's like, where's my sword? Where's my bow and arrow? I'm going to kill you. You are literally a dead man. If I see you, I'm shooting first, asking questions later. So Jacob has to run uh, because Esau's the oldest and he basically has the run of the family, even though his dad is still alive. He leaves and he's basically left behind the millions of dollars and now he's poor as. I don't even think he had um, a camel ride. <laughs> I think he was walking the whole way because um, it mentions nothing about him being able to sleep on a pillow or any sort of thing like that. He's sleeping on rocks. And this is where he first encounters God. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. So what did he see? What did he see in this dream? God came to him in this dream, and God showed him this stairway. And it went from heaven, from earth to heaven. Angels were going up and down the stairway, and God is standing at the top, basically inviting, come on, come on. And God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to bless you and prosper you and bring you back safely. Jacob wakes up and he realizes, where am I? This, this place is holy ground. And it's interesting, he literally was on holy ground. This was one of the first places that Abraham had come to and had, and had called on God's name. And, and Jacob somehow stumbled, stumbled across exactly the same place. And there he encounters God for the first time. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar. There he goes. He makes a memorial out of this, a milestone. He poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, the house of God, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me, on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I will return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. I'm going to make that change. No longer the Lord, your God, the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, God, I will give you back a tenth. Okay. So God, God keeps his words. He, he keeps his promises to Jacob. And, and Jacob goes on to his uncle's house, back where Abraham had initially come from many, many years before. And he meets his match in Uncle Laban. 
And, and um, Uncle Laban was the, the best trickster ever, and he really gave Jacob a taste of his own medicine. He, he lied and deceived and did everything possible to take advantage of Jacob all this time. And Jacob realized what an idiot he'd been all this time. And I think God used that, that terrible ongoing experience for 14 years plus to teach Jacob, hey, it's not about you getting and going out and being proactive and, and you know, being clever and finding ways to get around. Cutting the corners, no, it's about seeking me for your blessing. So you fast forward through the years, he becomes married, he has a family, God is blessing him. Um, he's starting to build his own wealth. And God says, come on back. I want you to come back to your father's house. And he's got to face the music of Esau. Esau is still not happy. <laughs> or so Jacob thinks. And here we are in these, in these verses, the night before he's to meet Esau. And um, Jacob is on, on high alert, DEFCON 10, and in comes this intruder into his camp. And so being a protective dad, he starts to fight him. And this fight doesn't finish. It just keeps going. And they're just wrestling. It's just like one of those movie scenes that you see, you see the guys going, and it's like, when is one of you guys going to get knocked out? And it just doesn't happen. And, and at some point, Jacob realizes this, this experience is divine. This isn't a, a, a normal human being I'm fighting with here. This, this has to be from God somehow. And, and so the fight changes from Jacob trying to get rid of this guy to Jacob saying, don't go. <laughs> You're staying here, mate. Um, and, and this intruder says, let me go. And Jacob says here, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asks him, what is your name? And we believe that this man actually is, is Jesus. Jacob, he answered. And the man said, all right, your name will no longer be Jacob. And by the way, Jacob means someone who is grabbing the heel like an ankle tapper, a deceiver, a trickster. And it was true. It was, it was a description of Jacob's nature. Your name will no longer be Jacob. That's not who you are. That's not your name. That's your old identity. I've given you something new because I'm recognizing in you, Jacob, that you are something new. Your name will be Israel, which means struggles with God. Or persists with God. I'm going to persist with God. Keep struggling with God until I get that blessing. Because that's where life is. Because you've struggled with God and men and have overcome. And Jacob, Jacob owns that name. Because it, it's, the, it's a recognition of a shift in his being and who he is. So after, after he smooths things over with his brother Esau, he feels like things are finally safe. I can be in the same general area as my family. I don't want to be in the same camp as Esau, but I'll be close by. So he decides to stay in Shechem. Um, he sets up tent there. He buys a little, little bit of land, and he, and he builds the altar. And he calls this place El Elohi Israel, which means God, the God of Israel. Again, it's a statement. God is my God, and I am Israel. I'm the one who struggles with God. I keep coming back for more, for this blessing. What a change 
from someone who is all about relying on their own abilities. So no, it's all about God. So, the story continues with Jacob. This, this change in who he is is well established. But now it's time for him to be passing this on to the next generation. Um, and at this point, tragedy occurs in, in his family story. His only daughter, Dinah, she uh, was beautiful and ended up being raped at Shechem and held hostage at Shechem. And in response to this, um, two, of his el- two of his older sons um, put the town of Shechem in a situation where they could go in and murder every single man in the town. And just go and wipe the whole place out. So now, Jacob thought, hey, we're in a good place. We're, we're back in my, my family's country. We're, we're good to go. And then in an instant, um, his daughter is violated. His sons become murderers. It's all falling apart, and the whole community around them, that no one's going to accept them in. And, and that's when God calls in again. It's just, it's just kind of like God repeating the cycle. Um, I'm going to allow you to go through, uh, through dramas and heartache, but I'm with you every step of the way. And just like when you were running from your life from Esau, I, I, I encountered you, I called you out. Here I am again. Yeah, everything around you is going awful. I get it, but I'm calling you. Let's, let's have this encounter. And God says, come back to Bethel. Come back to the house of God where you first met me. I want you to settle there. I want you to build an altar there to God because I appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob turns around to his family and he has adult kids by now. He goes, let's go. Get rid of all your foreign gods. Purify yourselves. Change your clothes. Let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of distress and who has been with me wherever I've gone. He's starting to, to pass this on to his children. He's, and and perhaps, perhaps he's saying, change your clothes. Maybe he's trying to say, get something, get something changed in your life. There's got to be a change. You've got to get rid of the old, all, the, all the old ways. You've got to get rid of those, those idols. Because the God who has been with me, the God who has blessed us, he's the one true God. And I want you to catch that too. So... For us, um, where I'm at is that I've, I've lived both sides. I was brought up in a very conservative church where encountering God just didn't happen. So my, my faith experience was, was academic. It was a history lesson. It was learning about what God did. And now God has helped me journey through like Jacob. So now I'm seeing the other side too. And I, I think both are important. We do need to know the facts of Scripture. We do need to know what God has done and what he's saying. But we also need to have fresh encounters with him. We also need to be experiencing him in the, in the everyday life. Um, and we need to be finding ways to pass this on to the next generation. We need to be finding ways to pass this on to people around us because right now we need to have this culture of encountering God encouraged. And if God is encountering you, if you are encountering God 
and this is a normal and beautiful thing for you. Don't hide it. Share that. Share it. Let people see what's going on so it becomes normal for them. Normal in a good way. And I would encourage you, if you're in a situation where, where I don't know, it's hearing from God and encountering God is so normal that it's ho-hum. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, it's my prayer and my, my desire that today that God breaks through that and gives you back that sense of awe. That sense of awe. It is, this is amazing. I am connecting personally with the God of, of heaven, the creator God, He loves me. He wants to encounter me. How does that work? So I'm just going to finish with this verse and I'll get the band to come up to lead us in worship. Jeremiah 9, 23-24 This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength. Or the rich man boasts of his riches. But let him who boasts, boasts about this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight. The three things he's saying people boast about. Wisdom. Strength. Or power. Riches. And and those those are typical things. In, in life, that's what people strive for. You know, I, I want to be, I want to acquire all this knowledge, or I want to acquire all this wealth, or I want to acquire all this power and influence in life. And those are good things. God uses that. But that is not, that is not the center of life. That's not what God is asking you. He's saying, acquire encounters with God. Treasure those encounters. Make them milestone moments with God.